It's the Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Thanks for joining us. With less than two weeks of the summer sales left to go, it's time to get moving as a host of European clubs. I, a new shiny striker for the top end of the pitch to get the new campaign off and firing. Coming up today, we'll be talking transfers and in particular those in-demand frontmen. Yes, we're talking Cristiano Ronaldo, Kylian Mbappe, a certain Harry Kane. To get into all of that, here alongside me, we have the Express's transfer guru, Ryan Taylor, and the MEN's own summer signing, Sean McCormick. Gents, I trust you're both well. Ryan, I'll, I'll come over to, to you first regarding first name to kind of talk about. Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, he's still at Juventus, but during the course of the summer and even before it, there, there sort of seems to be more and more talk all the time that Juventus may well be happy to cash in on him. And latest sort of rumours, PSG and, and Man City getting linked with him. Yeah, I think given the situation with Juventus in terms of they're pretty much starved of cash like most European giants at the moment. Obviously, the Spanish clubs don't have much either. Um, you know, his wages are, are sort of weighing down uh, the finances in Turin. Um, I think he earns something like £26 million a year. Obviously, um Clearly, you know, by quite a distance, their highest earner. And when you've got those kind of uh, them wages on the books, it really does sort of clog up the rest of the transfer budget and the amount that's available. And as we all know, the the job in in Juventus at the moment is a is a massive rebuild. Um, so I was quite surprised actually that Juve haven't looked at cashing in this summer, although there seems to have been a lot of speculation. Um, the sort of messages that have been sent by Pavel Nedved and the board are more that he's, he's not going anywhere. Um, I think maybe that might have changed if they received a suitable offer. But, um, you know, from what I've read, it, it more seems to be just speculation. And, and that was confirmed really yesterday from Ronaldo's statement as well. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does certainly seem to be one of those speculation. But even before the summer, Sean, Manchester United were kind of being linked with a sensational move to take him back because it was felt obviously before Edinson Cavani's future was kind of decided what were United going to do about a forward player. But Manchester City's name also thrown in there. It'd be absolutely bizarre to see him a back in the Premier League, but more so at the Etihad. Definitely, and obviously with his obvious <clears throat> Manchester United connections, it's 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 kind of one of those where it would it would, it would send shockwaves. I think through world football, he went to Manchester City. I think from his own personal perspective and comments he's made in the past about going to Manchester City with those Manchester United connections, I would be very surprised if that was something that would interest Ronaldo. But on a personal standpoint, to be honest, obviously it'd be financially lucrative if that ever was to happen. And obviously, from Man City standpoint as well, it seems as if uh, you know they're kind of they've kind of put all their eggs in the Harry Kane basket this summer. So you know, as much as it was kind of one of those that raised the eyebrows over the weekend when you were, when the, when the, those reports came out and the speculation that Ronaldo could be going to Manchester City, it doesn't seem like it's one that's got any sort of legs at all. Um, there's always going to be speculation about Ronaldo, as Ryan said there. You know, the the, the big clubs or the Super League clubs, namely making massive losses and they need, they need to kind of recoup some sort of money somewhere. Ronaldo, given his age and the, the money that he's on, is a, is a obvious starting place to kind of look there. But I'd, I'd be very surprised if he moved anywhere this summer now, given that, you know, the big players have kind of even made the moves already in terms of PSG, getting the likes of Messi and you know, Ramos, Wijnaldum, Donna Rummer, the, the numbers, wages that they're spending there. The likes of Man City, who've got Grealish, who are clearly go over Harry Kane. Really... 
I, I can't see any other clubs being able to afford the kind of expense that would come with Ronaldo at this moment in time. Even Real Madrid, obviously, there's, there was talk over the weekend about a return there. I couldn't see that one being financially viable. So, as much as the speculation, as much as there always will be talk about Ronaldo's future, I'd be very, very surprised if he actually moved anywhere this summer. Yeah, Carlo Angelotti actually coming out as well, didn't he, to, to distance himself from a move for Cristiano Ronaldo, albeit they had such brilliant success first time around at Real Madrid. But PSG were also sort of thrown in there, Ryan. You, you said before when you were talking about Juventus kind of clogging up the wage bill. I'm surprised there's any money left to kind of be able to spend for PSG to even be thinking about bringing in recruits. But if they were to be a side who tempted Juventus, we would finally, I suppose, get to see Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi in the same team, which would be a, a terrifying prospect for the rest of Europe. It would. And uh, I was having this discussion with my, a couple of my friends the other day. And for some reason, I just I really can't get excited by the prospect of Ronaldo playing for PSG. Um, but then when, you, obviously, you take into consideration that, that the external factors in the sense that he'll be playing with Messi for the first ever time, Obviously, you've got Mbappe, Neymar there, and you've also got Ramos. Um, and obviously, PSG haven't won the Champions League yet. You know, it, it does kind of make it more intriguing. But um, for me personally, you know, until it's kind of Champions League knockouts, um, you know, Ronaldo Messi scoring seven against Brest on a, a Saturday night isn't really something to get too excited about, in my opinion. But um, w- when I saw the news that, I don't know if, if you guys saw, but on Monday there was the El Chiringuito sort of, they dangled a carrot and said that there would be some big Ronaldo news at 11pm or something like that. And to me, I think I was actually more expecting to see maybe Ronaldo to PSG, which I, you know, come to think of it, it probably isn't financially viable now they've signed Messi. And obviously that is a, a Real Madrid TV channel, Chiringuito. But um, like Sean touched on, you know, Real Madrid just didn't really seem to be an option this summer, um, given that they literally don't have um, any money at all. But Ronaldo at, at PSG is, for me, only really in, made interesting by, uh, you know, what what that actually means in terms of playing with Messi. Um, just because, you know, at, at his age, he's, he's, he's still obviously an elite, elite player. But um, for me, Paris Saint-Germain are a bit of a, um, they're box office, but not always for the right reasons. It's kind of um, thrown together at times. And to me, it's it's more about a show and, and entertainment. It took the words out of my mouth. It does feel, doesn't it, Sean, with PSG at the moment, that it's becoming more of a soap opera than a cohesive football team, which Maurizio Pochettino being such a, I suppose, stickler for actually having a cohesive team unit He's getting these players kind of thrown at him. He's not going to say no because it's completely different to what he had at Tottenham. But you kind of, in, in a way, I suppose, got to feel a bit for him of how he's actually going to blend all of these guys together into an eleven. I mean, it's a, it's a brilliant problem to have to, <laughs> as a starting point, the players that he's got available to him. But you're right, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you, if you, if you just go off social media, you wouldn't actually... There's a good chance you wouldn't actually know how PSG have started the season in terms of what they've done on the pitch. But you've seen umpteen videos and, you know, the, the players being unveiled on the weekend. You had all five of the new signings on the stage. It, it's more like a soap opera and kind of, you know, training videos with Mbappe and Messi and Messi and Neymar and, and you know, the two and the three of them combining. It, it seems like it, it, it's it's kind of, you know, as, as I said there, it's, it's more of a soap opera at the minute. It's kind of the intrigues there, how they're all going to fit in and and. and 
it, it is interesting. And, and, and obviously, the pressure is hugely on Pochettino now. Obviously, he inherited a PSG team last season that were, you know, struggling in the title race. He didn't quite manage to win the league in his first season there. The expectation this season is that they'd have to sweep all the performing domestically comfortably because really there shouldn't be anybody in France that come anywhere near, anywhere close to that team now in terms of the quality they have. And the, the, obviously the huge expectation with the money they've spent this summer is they've got to win the Champions League. It's as simple as that. They, you know, final two years ago, semi-finals last year, they're getting closer, but they've got to take that next step now. You can't bring in the players they've brought in this summer and fail, basically, because anything other than, you know, I would say final minimum, but winning it would be deemed as a failure. If you look at the team they've got now, with comfortably man for man in the terms of the strongest 11, they're the strongest team in Europe. You've got to say that this season. So, yeah, it, it, it's intriguing. I think the pressure is hugely on Pochettino, particularly given, you know, the, the stick he can beat Pochettino, whereas like, he hasn't won many trophies in his career, despite the fact he's a great manager and what he did at Tottenham. So, yeah, massive pressure on him. I'm intrigued to see how it all works out. I'm intrigued to see if there's any sort of kind of interest squad problems in terms of players that get left out because the options available, and particularly up front, you know, if, if, if you're going to go for front three, <clears throat> like you'd imagine with Messi and Neymar and Mbappe, you've got Di Maria there, you've got Icardi there, who are, you know, two elite players. How are they going to fit into the team? Are they going to be happy playing a kind of, you know, a squad role, a, a complementary role rather than a a main man role that they've been used to in, in recent seasons. So it's interesting to see all that works out, you know, and I'm, I'm looking forward to obviously seeing how it unfolds and, you know, seeing Messi, Neymar and Mbappe on the European stage, as Ryan touched on there, in, in a big game, in a Champions League knockout, it's going to be tantalising prospect and I can't wait to see it. Right, so if Real Madrid aren't going to be able to afford to go for Cristiano Ronaldo and PSG may yet still need to offload some players on big wages to kind of balance the books after bringing in Leo Messi, what about Kylian Mbappe, Ryan? He kind of seems to be the the poster boy for, I suppose, the next generation along with Erling Haaland and Real Madrid's name continually linked to him. But as we've already said, they've not got much finance, but Mbappe is into the final year of his contract. Yeah, um, personally, I think I think that will happen. Um, obviously, Zidane leaving Real Madrid does throw a little bit of a spanner in the works because that was a huge pull for Mbappe, um, working obviously under a, a hero as such. But um, I still think Mbappe will join Real Madrid. Um, obviously, they're not spending at the moment and there's not much money there. But as you mentioned with the contract situation, and it just feels like they're sort of um it's building up to sort of another Galactico. Um obviously there was Hazard a couple of years ago that um you know really hasn't worked out. Uh, but after a quiet a quiet few transfer windows, I do feel like Real are at the point now where they do need that that huge sign in to lift the group. Um their their squad and Barcelona squad is now looking very stagnant. Um La Liga is kind of in in need of a new superstar as well after losing Messi. Um and I do think the seed's been planted there with Mbappe. Um, and a, another sort of point to touch on as well is, you know, how is Mbappe going to react to Messi coming in? Obviously, when it's him and Neymar, he probably still was the main man, but that might ne- not necessarily be the case now. And as Sean touched upon as well, how is Poch going to fit all these guys in? It, it might mean, um, you know, a few of them have to make little sacrifices to make the system work. Because if you're throwing Messi, Neymar, 
um, even Di Maria with Mbappe as well. It's it's a juggling act, really. There's no guarantee that that's going to have the right balance. Um, so um, I, I do think Mbappe, I, I find it hard to envisage him coming to the Premier League, but um, it will be interesting to see whether Real Madrid is of the same attraction to him now that Zidane has left. Yeah, to me, it seems absolutely bizarre that PSG have this kind of homegrown hero, French talent who obviously grew up in the suburbs of Paris, who just wants to be the superstar and everything sort of seems to be brought in around him to kind of muddy those waters. And he may well end up being the full guy, Sean. And in terms of Real Madrid, whether they can afford him this summer or not, if they're going to have to wait until his contract does expire, I wonder if, especially with some of these European giants and those who were obviously part of the, the failed European Super League plot, if they're going to wait basically for players' contracts to run down. We, we've seen with Paris, for example, this summer, albeit they weren't really in need of being part of that that Super League, that they brought in Donnarumma, they brought in Wijnaldum, they brought in Messi, all on free contracts. Paul Pogba's contract's ticking down, Kylian Mbappe's contract's ticking down. There's a number of big players around Europe in a similar position. And I suppose the likes of, of Barcelona and Real Madrid may well be thinking to themselves, let's take the next year to sort our finances out and then come back big next summer. Definitely. I think if you <clears throat> you look at Real Madrid's summer business this summer, you know, it's, it's only David Alba who's coming on a free transfer. You know, they've, they've got the money for Rafael Varane. It's, it seems as if they're sort of, you know, kind of taking the hit this year in terms of, you know, not not bringing many players in, going with what they've got, accepting that possibly on the Champions League stage that they may not have enough to to compete in the in the latter stage of the competition. But with the, the, the kind of foresight that next summer they can go big again. And as you said there, Paris Saint-Germain have made a lot of free transfers, but in terms of players going on free transfers, it's much more lucrative for them in terms of, you know, they, they can inflate the, the signing on fee, they can inflate the wages because... They're not paying that 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 monumental transfer fee that would usually come with a player of that stature, and it's interesting from Mbappe as well. Obviously, he said that he's, he's out of contract at the end of this summer. He was booed by certain sections of the PSG fans um, this weekend for you know full stalling on 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 talks of a new deal. And I think from his perspective, at the minute, yes, it's very exciting that they've brought in all these players and this season particularly they're going to be such a such a such a huge force in Europe. And it'll be exciting. But I think from his point of view, he's been there a while now. Aside from the Champions League, yes, they didn't win Ligue 1 last year, but you know, that's very much an exception to the rule. They don't really have much competition in France. He's he probably thinking that he's been there as a, as a French player. He's been in that league now for a while. A teenage superstar at Monaco. 22 now, being at Paris Saint-Germain for a few years. If he has one season where he plays with Messi, he plays with, you know, they have that kind of trio, Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe enjoy that, and then kind of go from there, and you know, experience new things. I think from what you read, he, he his his head's probably turning towards Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid are kind of gearing towards putting everything towards him next summer. Um, and, and from my from my point of view, I can't see anything changing. Even if Paris Saint Germain have a you know a, a monumental season this season where they win everything and sweep everything before them, I just think that from his point of view, he wants a new challenge and. Yes, right now in the short term, PSG are probably the best team in Europe. You've got Messi there, you've got Ramos there, Wijnaldum, but they're all players who are kind of you know the wrong end of thirty for a start. He's twenty-two. He's probably thinking you know he needs a new challenge to kind of get his juices flowing, and maybe this is his last stand of PSG. Maybe the the last dance to take the Michael Jordan Netflix documentary, but it, it does feel that way. It feels like he's coming towards the end of his particular cycle, and this is 
a big chance for him to kind of go out in a blaze of glory with this team of superstars that have assembled this season. Yeah, it does to me though. On, on the flip side to that, Ryan, feel as though this is going to be Real Madrid's best chance to get him because if it's a free transfer next summer, some of those Premier League clubs may well come in and blow Real Madrid's offer out of the water if they've not got the finances that they then need to do. So if they can get the transfer fee together, which some of the, the Premier League clubs may well bulk at right now. We've seen in the past, you mentioned Hazard, they paid £100 million for him when he was, what, 28? It, it didn't really seem, or 29, it didn't seem all too logical at the time, but Real Madrid just did it to get the deal done. And they might be in a similar situation with Mbappe this summer. 100%. Um, I still feel like, from from what I've, I've read in the... the uh, the kind of reports that uh, PSG seem still optimistic that Mbappe might stay and sign a new deal. Poch has said that, you know, there have been talks. Um, but from Real Madrid's perspective, like you said, if they can if they can test the water with an offer, it's, it's something that maybe might entice PSG. Although, to be honest, I think they'd probably rather lose him on a free transfer um, when his contract expires. But it, it does feel like a, a really decisive sort of year in terms of these generational talents with Haaland as well with his release clause kicking in next summer. Um, these kind of players, the opportunity to sign them won't come around often and, uh, you know, it's not like they're going to be bouncing between clubs every year given their the sort of the finances that they're going to cost in terms of, you know, transfer fees and salaries. So, um, I do kind of think you've got to throw the book to try and get Mbappe if he becomes available. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure it's as clear as he's going to leave at the moment. Um, so this summer could be difficult. And, uh, you know, realistically, even with a year left on his contract, I still think he's going to be worth in excess of way over 100 million, you know, probably close to 150 million. Um, so, yeah, it's a difficult one. And to be honest, you're going to want to play with Messi for a year if you're Mbappe. Um, and you're going to want to try and win the Champions League. I think if he leaves PSG without achieving that, it's gonna, uh, it's gonna be a bit of a stain on his record, personally, especially if he leaves and then they go and win it in the next few. So I think he's gonna want to be a part of that. But at the same time, um, as we sort of discussed, he's not, he's not gonna want to stick around forever. Interesting you referenced the £150 million price tag there because that is the price around Harry Kane's neck right now, Sean. And Manchester City, well, you just wonder, mentioning Mbappe there, far younger, six years younger than Harry Kane, whether in the end they're going to get bored with this chase for the England captain and end up looking elsewhere and may well think that Mbappe could be a player for Pep Guardiola. But the Harry Kane chase, the saga, sort of has no end in sight. Yeah, well, you know, you mentioned Mbappe there, but I think Holland's another name you could throw in there as well in terms of this summer. It's kind of Harry Kane a bust for Manchester City, but I think you could possibly kind of throw those names into negotiations and you're trying to kind of drum down the price for Harry Kane and saying to Tottenham, look, you're not going to get from our end anyway. You're not going to get this kind of money next um, next summer if you don't sell now because you're going to have Holland available on a on a you know the widely reported kind of release fee, which is way below what his actual value will be. You could have Mbappe on a free transfer, as you mentioned there. So it's interesting to see how kind of, even though their futures are probably decided next summer, how they kind of play into this summer's transfer market as well. Because I think like 
with the Harry Kane chase, if something is going to give this summer, that could be kind of crucial in terms of forcing Tottenham's arm to say, look, you know, yes, I see you're not going to kind of get the money that we're offering now. Um, so it's interesting. I think, as you say, the Man City chase, there's no end in sight. But this summer, I think it'll go down the wire and it'll be interesting to see how kind of Tottenham's resolve stays the way it has been so far in terms of how strong it's been in resisting Man City's, Man City's offer and sticking to their asking price the closer it gets to that. That transfer window, and obviously with Kane as well, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits back into the fold. Obviously, Tottenham are in Europa Conference League action on Thursday, back in the Premier League on Sunday. You'd expect Kane to be at least in the squad for for one of those games. Now he's back in training, and regardless of the reports, he's not the kind of player who's, who's going to down tools. We, I don't think if he doesn't get doesn't get his move, I think he'll stay professional and he'll stay involved. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out as well in terms of how he's involved and, you know, Nuno's comments around it over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. But in terms of Man City's perspective this summer, it is kind of Harry Kane a bust. There's no other alternative. But I think, as I mentioned there, you can bring other names into it next summer to kind of force Tottenham's arm. Yeah, there have been a sort of few other names floated around. We mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo, haven't we? It feels as though it's probably all part of the negotiation. And Ryan, I find this one fascinating from kind of that standoff perspective. City have done business with Spurs before, obviously, when they bought Kyle Walker, but that was kind of pay the 50 million, get that one done. And that's always been the way for City. They've never really had to be locked in these kind of negotiations. And I suppose having to try and drive a fee down because they've got the resource to, to pay whatever the asking price is, but £150 million tests that somewhat with FFP and everything. And therefore, they do need to negotiate. But if there's one guy you can't negotiate with, it's, it's Daniel Levy. Indeed. And I do think there's a sense of... Uh, I don't know. From my personal perspective, I, I don't really feel like... If Kane is that desperate to go, I feel like 130 million would represent a good deal for Spurs, um, especially given what we saw on Sunday. I know kind of the way City dominated the ball and their, their setup played into Tottenham's hands with like the pace on the break. But, you know, Son Mora Bergvine, um, I do think with that kind of swashbuckling style, that, that could be um that could be something of use to Nuno going forward. And if you, you get that FIFA Kane and you start to add maybe three or four strong sort of marquee additions that genuinely improve the side. I don't think that's the worst outcome for Spurs. I know I know we um will always remember the sort of bail situation where they brought in the seven players and only really um Ericsson was of, of use. But um I do feel like Spurs now with Paratici have the structure to genuinely improve the side. And at twenty eight and uh, Harry Kane's injury history um, you do have to wonder what kind of level he's going to be able to maintain um, his, uh, his availability as such. And another point is, if Kane scored the most goals and assists in the Premier League last year and Spurs only finished seventh, is losing him really going to be you know, the worst outcome? I know, I know that might sound crazy to say, and I'm by no means underestimating what Kane brings to Spurs, but I just feel like if you spend that wisely and... Uh, you know, Lataro would have been the perfect, really, player because, in a sense, you're still um, bringing in a, a regular goals output and then you're allow, allowing a bit more money to be spent on the defence, which is clearly needed, maybe another midfielder and right-back. Um, but going back to your initial point with City, um, Sean touched on it as, as well, um, that, you know, Haaland's in play and Bappe's also in play. 
I don't really think City are going to be held to ransom. I think it's going to be a case of, fine, we'll go get Haaland next summer. We we played without a striker last year. We've got Gabriel Jesus. We've got Kevin De Bruyne. He can play as a false nine. Ferran Torres as well. Um, and obviously with Grealish now as well, they don't have, the, you know, they've got the tactical flexibility to be able to, to survive without a striker for another season until Haaland's release clause is in play. And to be honest, I think if they want Haaland, they'll get him. Yeah, most definitely. It does feel like that, the, that Sean, it is a, a one-summer offer, isn't it? 28-year-old Harry Kane, far more an attractive proposition to 29-year-old Harry Kane, who, who knows, could well pick up another ankle injury or two through the course of the season. Yeah, definitely. And as, as I say, I think that's why it's it's kind of interesting to see whether Tottenham's resolve stays as strong as it is. I mean, as Ryan touched on there, you know, I think Jamie Carragher has been quite vocal in saying it as well. They haven't won anything with Harry Kane, regardless of how brilliant his impact's been in terms of goals and assists. And, you know, they've come close in, in competitions. They've reached a few finals, never quite got over the, the finishing line. Maybe it is a good time for a fresh start of a new manager. As Ryan said there, they look, they look really good at the weekend in terms of being able to break away with three pacey forwards as opposed to kind of Harry Kane coming deep and linking the play and possibly even slowing the way Nuno would want to play down in terms of the way he, he plays there. Look, look, I'm not for one minute suggesting that any team would be better off without Harry Kane. Of course I'm not, but maybe it's time for that fresh start where you can, you can use that money wisely. If you get, if you get somewhere in the region of 130 million or you get a, a very sizable cash fee and someone in return from Manchester City, because that's not out of the question either in terms of, you know, using someone as an exchange player as part of the deal. So to me, I think, I think Tottenham would be, would be, would be, would be daft if, if Harry Kane is as desperate as we believe he is to leave to kind of, you know, turn the nose up with a, an offer that's going to bring in a lot of money that's going to allow them to kind of start their rebuild in, in, a, in a very positive way. Um, and as you say, in terms of Man City, it is definitely a one-summer once a one-summer offer unless they can't get that alternative next summer, which you, you'd think with the finances available that you know they, they could persuade those kind of players, those Haaland's and Batbeers to, to, to come instead next summer. And if it doesn't happen to Manchester City in terms of that one summer, it'll be interesting to see whether you know another Premier League club coming for Harry Kane. You know that Man United and, and Chelsea were initially in the in the in the sort of running and, and sniffing around there. It'll be interesting next summer, particularly because you'd think that Man United this summer, in terms of bringing in Sancho and Varane, you know they look very good on Saturday. Those two players are going to come in. They've paid sizable fees for them. You know it's clear they need a midfield upgrade, and they probably do need an out now forward, particularly when. As you suspect, Cavani will leave next summer. So it'll be interesting to see whether they come into play because you, you think that they'll go big on a midfield and they'll go big on a, on a forward next summer. So that could be one to watch next summer. But in terms of this summer, as you say, it is it is kind of Kane up bust in Manchester City. But Tottenham, you know, the time is of the essence. As you mentioned there, he's, he is injury prone. If another injury comes in, you're not going to get anywhere near the region that particularly Man City are going to offer you this summer. And I just think it's a good time to, to rebuild and, and go again and kind of see, you know, thanks, thanks for everything you've done, Harry, but this is the time to go in a different direction and see if that, you know, and how that kind of turns out in terms of actually taking that next step and possibly winning the trophy. Yeah, the forward line looked good against... Yeah, I was just going to say, Brian, that the forward line looked very good against sort of Man City, didn't it, in playing that counter style, but to the likes of Watford, Newcastle, Brighton, Spurs aren't going to be able to do that and they would need to replace Harry Kane with a centre forward and maybe someone who can play that more focal number nine role. And I know you were reporting yesterday in the Express about interest in Fiorentina's Dusan Vlahovic. Yeah, 
just to quickly add there before we touch on Vlaovic, the um, what Sean was saying there, um, I totally agree with that in terms of in this market, you have to be very careful that, um, you know, if you get an opportunity to sell with someone, we saw with Sancho last year, Dortmund was sort of haggling over a fee, pushing for 108 million. And obviously lost quite a significant chunk of that. And to United this summer when they've sold Sancho for 72 million. Saw Coutinho as well. Liverpool sold him at the perfect time, really. They got the maximum value they could. And with Kane, you get the sense that, as you mentioned, City are not going to come back in for him um, if they don't sell this summer. And with his contract at three years at the moment, next year with two, he's kind of looking to, to take that next step. And Spurs still don't have Champions League football. His value's probably going to decrease, especially if, as you mentioned, he could pick up an injury. But going back to Vlaovic, um, it's an interesting one because from what um, the kind of noise coming out from Spurs, from Football London's uh, Alistair Gold, Spurs were looking to sign uh, Vlaovic to play alongside Kane. So it's it's an intriguing proposition if you know you're to place a lot of faith in a 21-year-old replacing sort of a player as integral to Spurs as Kane. Um, but I do really like what I've seen of the uh, the youngster. He's, 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 he looks like a natural finisher, someone who scores goals out of fun and can win games on his own. Player who shoots hard and low into the corners. I always think that's a good sign of a, you know, an, an elite player, potentially, especially a striker, sort of a natural finisher. Um, but it looks like Atletico Madrid are the ones kind of prepared to rival Tottenham and pay what it would take to sign him. Um, so Spurs would really need to kind of get a move on with that. I know they've been in dialogue with his agent. I had confirmation of that. It's more just firming up that interest and actually tabling a bid and whether Paratici is re- ready to spend the money he bid for Martinez on a player who's you know maybe only had one good season, is up and coming and represents more of a gamble as such. Yeah, no, it will be interesting. And Spurs won't want to leave it too late because otherwise they won't be able to spend that Harry Kane money. But completely echo what you guys say. It feels as though this summer is the year that he's going to have to move on because they've got a disgruntled Harry Kane on their hands for 12 months. That transfer fee is only going to be going in one direction. Anyway, that's all we've time for here on today's edition of the Football Digest from myself, Guy Clark, Sean McCormick and Ryan Taylor. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, it's bye for now. 